Why you got to come out with your guns out like that? Sun's out, guns out. Bro, you should see these shorts that I'm wearing, man. Look at it. Hold on. They're so short. Look at that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> They're so good, short. That's a good look. That's how I go to the gym. Do what? Hey, ladies. No more Mr. Soft Guy. <laughs> Hard as a piece of rebar. <laughs> You're a man that controls his own destiny. A man that is always in the pursuit of being better. You are in the right place. You are responsible. You are strong. You are a leader. You are a force for good. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum. Welcome back to the Alpha Quorum Show. Brad Singletary here. You guys, I'm super excited about this. Number one, we have one of our first uh, video shows here that we're doing. We've done a couple and we'll see how this turns out. Hopefully we, we turn this into a video show. If, so if this is only sound, you know that Brad failed somewhere with something. But I'm really excited about our guest today. We have uh, Steve Edwards and Kevin O'Neill, both entrepreneurs, both doing very well in their businesses. I'll let them talk about what they do. Also, both podcasters. And our topic today, we're going to kind of review the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover. Uh, this is something that I recommend all men read, whether you see yourself as a nice guy or not. We're going to kind of talk about nice guy syndrome. By the way, I'm a recovering nice guy. And this is something that um, the, the title is a little bit misleading in a way because you, you hear that and you think, well, you're, you should be an asshole. That's not, that's not what it's about. But to me, it means basically, don't get walked on. Don't be a doormat. And you don't have any respect if you're, if you're too nice. So let me get back to our guest. So Steve Edwards, uh, introduce yourself here, brother. Hey, what's happening? Thanks for having us today or having me. I don't care if you guys want to have Kevin, but um, my name is Steve Edwards. I own a, a digital marketing agency here in Las Vegas. Um, we focus on tourism and tour attractions, tour operators as well as a tour operation company. So we do uh, Vegas Jeep tours, Las Vegas boat and jet ski rentals, and a handful of other entities, but serving the Las Vegas tourist market. Awesome. I am, uh, my name is Kevin O'Neill, and uh, I am the owner of Destiny Water Adventures. Uh, we're also, we're, we have a little, another company launching here in February called Destiny Jeep. Uh, I got a few other logs in the fire that we're currently working on. And uh, I also do a, um, a podcast myself called the Awkward Water Sports Guys. And uh, yeah, when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm pretty much walking around my house uh, talking to Steve a lot. You're walking around your house in shorty shorts. Short shorts. I wear, dude, I listen, I wear, I find the lowest cut shorts. These are five inches. These are the shortest shorts you possibly can get. And I wear them because I find them very outfitting. And the ladies at the gym probably find them very attractive. But the men probably find them really off-putting. So, Brad, do you think it's weird that most of our conversations that Kevin is in a bathtub? <laughs> Are you serious? Dude, why do we have to get Our into candle, that? Man? Why do you have to tell on him like that? No, I'm yeah, because that's other. Everyone's going to be copying. You're like that's Steve Jobs shit, dude. That's like fruitarian type stuff, man. You know what I mean? Uh, that's like my secret. G Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. Like I do all my thinking in my bathtub. Yeah, I talk. 
I, I do a lot of bathtub. I, I think, you know, when people are like, oh, you should take a walk to do your thinking. I, I take a bath to do my thinking. It's the only room in the house that I get left alone. Like there's two doors that separate the bathtub from my family and my children. So I really want to get rid of every, get away from everybody. I have to go take a bath. I like some candles, do some bubbles. Right. That's a nice little bath bomb in. It's like nothing. That's super come nice. Come on. Stop riffing. Yeah. Appreciate you both being here, man. Now you, you mentioned your, your business there, Kevin, but that's Destin, Florida. That's mm-hmm. one of the, the Jeep Destin and whatever Destin, Florida, which is in the panhandle. I grew up down there and know some of the same, some of that territory down there. So water sports still running down in Florida. Is it too cold? Um, man, you know, uh, we're like one of the last companies open and I was co- sort of like, man, I wish I would have stayed open this month because things got cold. And then we have Thanksgiving and we got real, we got real busy. Um, well, not crazy busy, but you know, busy enough for the last week in November and then we'll shut down. So yeah, man, things are still rocking and rolling up here. People want to go out on boats and you know, what else is there to do in North Florida? Uh, during meth. Thanksgiving, meth you know? amphetamines. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Lots of meth. That, but that's all year <laughs> round. That's my all year round business, Steve is. And that's why I'm heavily invested into old shitty trailers. So if anybody's got any of those for sale, old RVs out in the woods. That's my three. That's my three sixty five uh, paper out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, who who is it? Who's the uh, the talk show who says you need five streams of income? Kevin's main one is old trailer parks in the <laughs> middle of the woods. Is that Dave Ramsey? <laughs> no, no. What's uh, who's, uh, Family yeah, yeah, Feud? What's his name? Family um, Feud. Oh, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was, uh, oh, wait, no, I was going to say uh, Louis, uh, Louis Armstrong. Or Louis the Arms- fat guy. <laughs> only had the trumpet player. <laughs> <laughs> no, the fat, he's the fat guy who used to do a uh, family feud between Steve and Steve Harvey. Yeah. Remember the big fat dude, Louis, Louis something? It wasn't Louis, Louis Armstrong's a trumpet player. <laughs> I, I don't know. All right, you guys, uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy. What is, what is this about? What is the, we've all three just read this book or reread it recently. Uh, Steve is a big fan. I think he's. I'm a huge fan. Maybe because is that because you're a recovering nice guy? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, I think that this book summarizes like 90% of the guys, you know, in your personal life, um, you know, we're it's 2020, 2021, where, you know, divorce is at as high of a rate as humanly possible. You know, guys are unhappy in their lives, are unhappy in their marriages, they're unhappy in their skin. And a lot of this has to do with, straight nice guy syndrome and guys not Wait, taking the straight straight what do you mean by that you mean like straight nice guy or did you mean like straight nice guys straight nice <laughs> like but yeah but they talk about like they talk about it's like you can be a homosexual nice guy you can be a nice yes girl, you know, i right? didn't mean it like that you asked. oh i i seriously i just wanted to i just wanted you to wanted to clarify that. okay i but, did I, I and I think listen. I think it's a fairly like uh, a th- okay. because it is. It, it deals a lot with heterosexual relationships. But as when I read it, I felt as though like this this could be applied across the board. Not it's not just for men. I, I think you could read this, you know, as a woman and and you know what I mean. So I'm sorry, I didn't my, mean to interrupt you. I, I really did just want to be like, wait, did you really mean like straight? My nice apologies guys? for using straight. Was <laughs> it? I just wasn't sure if you meant like. Straight, like as in hip hop, straight, nice guy, or a uh, heterosexual. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, go ahead. No, so I was going to say. I mean, what what we see is guys making 
you know, poor decision-making skills in the relationships. They're not showing up to the relationships. They're, you know, the covert contract is real. Um, There's a lot of like misgivings happening by guys where instead of actually taking the necessary steps to show up, be a man, lead their household, um, they're, they're got a lot of nice guy attributes. So let's talk about some of those attributes. So I, I think this is kind of codependency relabeled, but, but, but sure. maybe not necessarily, but he, he talks about characteristics of nice guy syndrome. These guys are givers. Um, they're, they're very generous, but they believe that, you know, that should create some reciprocation. Like if I do this for you, you'll do this for me. They're fixers and caretakers. Everything they do is, you know, they're trying to gain approval. Um, I think some of this before you get before you can head down that road, I think you almost got to start with like, how did we even get here? Because when you go back and you look at your grandparents and you look at like men of 1950s, 1960s, I don't think that there was such a forefront of nice guys. And that's also when you saw that, like, you know, marriage was, or divorce wasn't at an all time high. And guys were forced to stick it out. You know, guys really had to show up. And what, and, you know, I think what ended up changing that was in, you know, 1960s, 1970s, all of a sudden, you know, you had a lot of stay at home moms and you had, you know, guys not raising their kids. You know, kids were being raised by women entirely. Guys didn't, you know, kids didn't have a male figure in their life. And, they didn't have any sort of that male, I hate to call it machismo, but you know, that male strength, strength that, right. yeah, the strength that carries over and you get raised with a lot of feminine ideals and, you know, you're carrying that over into your relationship. I don't think being a nice guy is this idea of like giving. I think that that's one of like the effects. I think that that's like one of the give and takes, but, um, yeah, I think that, you know, you almost have to understand how you became a nice guy before you could ever understand how to fix it. But you're talking about not just, you know, individually how you became one, but how this whole like society, society changed, it turned, it turned men into nice guys. What are some other things that contributed to that? Kevin, got any ideas on how we shifted yeah. from the tough John Wayne yeah. of a man mm-hmm. to, to what yeah. we become now? Yeah, in fact, I, I think um, I think you can get even you can get really get more granular on that because he talks about uh, World War Two, right? So like this yeah. is, or even possibly World War One. Well, World War Two. So you, they, he talks about how you have the 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 male the male influence, and I put that in I put that I put that in, in air quotes um, because I think and with, without like getting super. <clears throat> you know, uh, getting super granular on it and like really trying to take it back throughout society to, to determine what, uh, what constitutes, uh, like patriarchy versus matriarchy or, um, you know, where you start to see like alpha patterns throughout biology and society. Um, I guess that's like probably the, the closest place you can take it is world war two. And so you see this big um, exodus, this max exodus of men within our culture leave. Uh, and, and I sort of like immediately, I wanted to sort of challenge that when I started thinking about it uh, and, until we start talking like, with, well, those men have left always. If you were to go and sow the fields, like 
through, you know, men going and hunting, but there was a rite of passage throughout history um, of men, even as uh, what a men starting manhood at a very early age. So when you take this out of the, the, the family dynamic, uh, even at, at say 12, 13, 14, where you're going and working in a field, if you're a farmer or doing something in this nature, um, even going off to war uh, themselves at a very early age, 14 years old uh, and uh, the civil war. So where you have this mass exodus of men from our culture and you start to see it happening, you start to see the patterns happening within uh, popular uh, within pop culture, within our literature, within our music, uh, you take uh, to the 50s, the beginning probably starts somewhere around the beatnik. So you have Jack Kerouac and, and Allen Ginsberg, who's openly gay, um, and start to uh, uh, start to uh, highlight these sort of um, feminine, I wouldn't, it's a difficult thing for me to sort of um, characterize, but I guess you could call it feminine traits. Um, and then start to popularize them. And then you have the, the connection. You have, uh, you have the beatnik sort of go to this, the 60s where Steve, Steve started to talk about. Um, you have the androgyny of the 70s, men starting to have long hair. Nothing that there's wrong with it with any of this shit. And don't get me wrong, you have long hair and still be a man. But before this time... Can you have a man, history, can you, can you have a man bun and still be a man? Yeah, yes, yes, you okay. can. Um, okay. but, but to... To, to see all of these things start to shift. And, and I really started thinking about this because I'm like, start thinking about like, you know, like Mick Jagger, dude, like Mick Jagger's like Mick Jagger's sort of like, you know what I mean? He's like, he's pretty like an androgynous dude, but he's, he's getting tons of pussy, man. So I'm like, I don't know if this like all like 100% works, but um, regardless, you start to see this happening in our literature. You start, you start to see it happen in, um, in music, you start to, it starts to become pervasive. And then this, it, 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 not only has it become, it becomes popularized or accepted, then it becomes popularized. Like it, now it's, now it's cool to be, you know, sad and depressed and sort of, you know, uh, crooning, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and now it's not, it's not only become popularized, now it's become the normal, right? Now, if you're not, if you're not somehow, um, I don't want to say like emasculated in some ways, but it is. And, and now it's like almost like a prerequisite to this point of, of, of this phrase called toxic masculinity. So if I'm too much of a man, if I identify too much of what it is coursing through my veins biologically, I'm somehow I'm wrong or incorrect or not accepted throughout society. And I think this is causing. I think this is causing a lot of problems, um, not just within our relationships, but with the, within our society um, in all facets of it, because we're, we're asking ourselves to sort of dial back something in some of us that, you know, that, that's, that's been within us from, you know, since the creation of time. So, well, and, and to even touch on that, I mean, in 2021, where you see how much it's being pushed that, as a man, you are basically just toxic no matter what you do. And in some capacity, you need to be more female, more sensitive to women, more sensitive to everything. You've got to be accepting of everything. You can't have any sort of different ideal. 
than what the softest woman has. Otherwise, you're toxic. Um, I think that that's a I think that that's a very challenging thing to pass down to boys. I think it's a really challenging thing to, you know, to think, you know, if this is what it looks like today, how bad is it going to be 20 years from now? And how do you how do you rein in your sons? How do you make your boys still be men in a society that really doesn't want them to be men? Yeah, and I and I think I'm not like, I'm not like an evolutionary biologist. I've read enough uh, I've read enough books on history and and um, human nature and philosophy and things of this nature. I, I feel like a sort of semi quasi qualified to talk about this a little bit. But if you, if you look at Professor. it as, in, in our base, um, in our base, in its most base form, right? It's I feel like it's competition. All right, so men are a, by nature, I would say, c- competitive. Right, I, I don't want to say more competitive than women or a- anything of that nature. Everything take everything case by case, but as boys, instinctually, it's in us. We beat our chest. We we bang yeah. stuff. We grab stuff. We're more. We're just a more aggressive. We hunt. Yes, we're we're very aggressive. Even like my wife was like trying to. She was like she was like like my boy was like grabbing and smashing and breaking. She was, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. And my wife was like, like, and she wasn't being like feeling like fun and awesome. I was like, don't encourage that. I was like, of course I'm going to encourage that. Like that's that's what he wants. That's he want, what he wants to do. You know, he wants to grab and pull and like and smash. I'm not trying to tell him punch people in the fucking face or anything like that. But you know, that's like it's 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 in us to be competitive. And so I think though here's we're, we're having like sort of a disconnection is 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 competition happens throughout nature. Right. Uh, th- there's no like repressing the tree not to grow higher than the other trees. Right. There's we're not asking like the competitions throughout nature. And the reason competition is throughout nature is because competition equates to survival in nature. You don't see passivity in nature. You don't see shiftlessness. Um, you don't see any type of uh, blamelessness. And um and 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 I think that's like when you repress that, when you repress that in men, when you try and repress that natural instinct to want to be competitive, to want to grow, to want to fight, uh, and and I mean like fight to be better. And when you reward it, when you reward that behavior, oh yeah, no, it's okay. No, 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 no. You're you're free to be you and me. Like this this whole idea that you know I'm okay, you're okay. Uh, to me, it's bullshit. And and rewarding this, the, the I don't, you know, body positive shit, all of that stuff. To me, it's like, like if you're a man, a woman, a cat, a dog, I don't really give a, you know, a rat's ass what, you know what I mean? That's fine. If you are not striving to be a better person, if you're not fighting, if, you're in, if you don't have inner competition to grow as a human being and, and just left to your own devices, like you're going to end up at a, at a failure point. And and it doesn't matter. Like we can go down this road forever, and society and whatever. But at some point, there's a reset, right? Mm-hmm. From the Bible to Fermi's paradox, whatever text it is that you read, there is a reset, and there's always been resets throughout all of history. The start, I mean, whatever the dinosaurs, there's a reset, and you take away all of this stuff, and we're just right back to our natural instincts in order to survive, breed, move forward. These natural instincts 
that exist all throughout nature, that exist strongly through men, are going to be the things that continue our species forward. And if there's like a paradigm shift where 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 that's more strong in women, then by all means, like I I, I don't you know people ask it's a question like how do you have like more women in your industry? You know I, I don't come 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 do it. I I don't like I can't answer that question. Like I I don't know like there's no like I I, I there's no like fucking bait I put on the end of a hook to make somebody do something. It just I, I fucking get it, man. Like, and, and I think that's everywhere we go. And I, and that's what I love about this book is that it's teaching men to call, go fucking get it. To like, you know, get real with yourself, get honest with yourself and state the nature of what it is that you fucking want. And, and we mentioned the co- covert contract, the covert contract. And one of you guys want to like jump, explain that a little bit. So if someone's scratching their head on that covert contract thing, Steve, why don't, why don't you, Jump in here and shut me up. I love it. I love you, buddy. Um, covert contract. Covert contract is uh, doing something such as I clean the kitchen, I dump the dishwasher. And, and guys, the most popular one with guys is the trade-off for sex, is doing things un- basically without being asked in exchange for a trade-off. So you're going to go cook dinner, you're going to clean the, you know, you're going to dump the dishwasher, you're going to do the laundry. And in exchange, you feel that your wife or significant other should give you sex. And it can be applied a million different ways. That's the most popular one. Because, you know, if you, if you get down to simple nature of what guys really want a lot of times more in life, it's like sex, because they feel like women withhold sex. Okay. So what do they do? They do very nice guy things and without clear disposition of what their intentions are. And when they don't get that, then it creates animosity and it creates resentment and it creates nice guy actions um, of sitting and pouting and being a little instead of in, instead of stating what your intentions are. And, uh, and, and Brad, I'm sure, has a great, like, clinical answer to a covert contract. But the sex is the biggest play in men's life as far as a covert contract. Yeah, I'm going to work really hard to give you something that I think you want. We, this is covert because we're not talking about it. This isn't, some, this isn't an actual contract where you both read through and sign it on the line. This is covert because you don't know that I'm thinking this and I don't know that you're, you know, no, no, we're both pretending like we don't know that this thing is existing and it usually fails. That's the, fails. That's the part yeah. of this. You know, the, the, the point of this book is to, I think it's to empower men with the awareness that you're being, you're producing powerlessness in yourself. And so we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about how culture and society has kind of set up this thing, maybe even globally to where men are supposed to, play shallow, play nice, be calm, be cool, and uh, don't have any needs. There's a, there's a lot of talk in the book about abandonment and boy, we can go deep into that about whether or not this happened in our past. We're afraid of abandonment. And so if I don't have any needs, if I don't make waves, if I don't stir any, stir the pot or create any problem anywhere, uh, I'm protecting myself by not being abandoned. And so this this softness, this, I, when I started this whole thing, I really saw there really being two types of men, men that are too hard 
just cold and rigid and closed off and douchebaggish, you know. And then there's the soft guy. The guy's way too nice. He's just bending whatever you want, dear. You know, all those kinds of things. There was a trend when I got married anyway that at weddings, you know, the videographer goes around and they ask all the old men and all the old couples, hey, what give give the give the newlyweds some advice here. And the and what do the old guys always say? You know, just say yes, dear, and you'll be fine. You know, just yeah. give in, give in to everything. And that is I'm ashamed. I mean, that's the worst, that's the worst kind of thing that doesn't really work. Sometimes you do have to to just well, isn't the- isn't the saying "Happy wife, happy life"? I was gonna say, happy life. you know, and what oh, a way! Oh, wait a minute! No, I mean, you know, without being cheesy, like Facebook, like memes, but "Happy wife, happy happy life" is bull. I mean, because who is like is your wife pandering to you to make sure you're happy, or is a lot of your energy? And I'm not using your wife. I'm saying. In like general speaking, because I love Tammy. Tammy's amazing. My wife is Tammy, by the way. <laughs> but I know, but but to that, you know, so I've heard it the other way, you know, for the longest time, all we've heard is happy wife, happy life. And instead of like happy spouse, happy house, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, where is your don't you love that? I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make sweet stickers happy. to stick on your on your wall. Get like out next of here. to live happy laugh wall. Spouse, happy house. <laughs> you like that? Don't you? I I do because now I feel like it's like uh, now I feel like there's some like Libby like and like I don't identify as a wife. It's gotta be happy spouse, happy house. <laughs> I don't think that's where it came from. I'm not a wife. Hey, so all right, I, I want to like I want to play devil's advocate a little bit on that. Um, of course you of do. Of course I do. Well, yeah, because I mean, Jesus, if it didn't come out of your mouth uh, straight down the mountain from on high, then it couldn't possibly <laughs> be questioned, could it, Stephen? Definitely. Nope. Um, nope. Uh, so my first question is: Is that one of those like workout mirrors behind you? That thing there on that stand? Is that one of those like? Are you talking on me right here? Yeah, that. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, that's a Peter Lick art piece that hasn't been hung in my house yet. Oh, I thought it was like one of those, like, you know, the, you know, those crazy, like, no, that's like $5,000. Of, no, it's like $5,000 of art that hasn't been hung on the wall yet. Wow. Feel free to edit out Steve's ridiculous flex. Hey, if there's ladies listening to this, Steve's got five grand in art in his office. <laughs> I got, I got, I, we're not even going to talk about art. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to get the real. You said the guy's name was Peter Lick. L I K S. I I realize where your joke is going, but <laughs> yeah, I got something Peter can lick. Yeah, you do. Peter lick. Oh, I didn't even realize the double triple entendre that was happening on there. God, you're so lame. You know, winner. That uh, camo yeah. hat. That's hot. That's it's pretty hot. Though. You have one for your lions, not sheep. Or your commercial for Sean Whalen here, man. Just take it easy. Get out of here. <laughs> Just he just ordered the shirt after he saw that I bought it. But is there is it uh, there's not something to be said though about like I mean, man, like so uh, so again, um if if you can take it back to like on John Wayne, you know what I mean? He wasn't like just straight up like slapping hysterical women. Remember those like the I don't know movies when they they like get a hold of yourself and fucking slap or whatever. Like I mean, there was still like romance, man. You know what I mean? That's sure. Frank Sinatra was still 
you know, like crooning to the ladies, man. He was still bringing home roses. He was still like putting in that work. And so like, don't get it like, and because it, it, the book, um, and I don't, I, I don't want to get it like misinterpreted here where it's like, where guys are like, you know, so this meek guy that you're talking about, because I want to go back on that too. Um, about the nice bad guy, but I, I don't want guys to live to, to listen to this and be like, look, you don't need to be the dude at the, at the, that's like, Oh, what is our anniversary? Totally forgot. I got poker with the boys, you know, you sweetie like it's not being like a total asshole, right you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's, be, it's being it's being assertive but so you can still there's still things that you should be doing for each other to you know but to, but to, the point is like you don't give a bouquet of roses because you're like i'm gonna get some sex, you know what i mean like you you like give roses because you or whatever it may be the, the gesture the romantic thing to do because you genuinely want to just make your spouse feel appreciated or loved or wanted you're not doing it with the intention of getting something back in return or fixing you know and trying to fix something on your own that that needs fixing together and to that point going back a little bit you know there's the inverse of that and you know without like getting wildly personal like I was the nice bad guy. I was the nice tantrum guy. I was the guy that like punched walls and shit. You know what I mean? This is like back in my twenties and stuff, but there's the, there's the extreme, the opposite extreme, like where, like where you're throwing a tantrum, you know, not instead of like, Oh, you know, yeah, I'm going to go masturbate in my bathtub, you know, <laughs> like, you know, there's a guy that's like, you don't love me. And like, you know, throwing shit. And, and and to that point, like then you have the very extreme version of that where you have these like domestic assaulting wife beating pieces of like they fall into the Mr. N the, the nice guy category. But it's a, just saw as a, an, a very extreme version of itself. This is somebody that's got, you know, toxicity that and and uh, what do they call it? Like toxic shame and. And the, the inability to connect with anybody else or with themselves. And then it's um, acted out. It's acted out in, in you know, these extreme, um, I, I, I want not necessarily violent, abusive, however you want to, you know, swearing, screaming, like getting pissed off, like that sort of thing. So you can be the, the bad Mr. Nice Guy as well. This just doesn't apply to you if you're listening to this, thinking that like, oh, that's not me. I, I break dishes. <laughs> Well, you go to a domestic violence class and, and it's a room, you know, these are like the court mandated, the guy got charged and whatever. And, and the room is full of nice guys. These are people that have just let things just boil underneath the surface for too long. And they've been too accommodating and too flexible and too nice and too, um, you know, just overly they're doing the caretaking. They're trying to fix everything. They're always feeling responsible. And the motivation, that's something that Kevin was talking about. The motivation for everything they do is for approval. And then when that pops and they don't, and they no longer have that approval, or there's some clear indication. That's when they go from nice guy to demon man, who's totally being just evil and abusive. So it's very much the case where the nice guy becomes his sort of shadow self and is no longer nice at all. And uh, just be, don't 
don't think the title doesn't apply to you um, if because you can get angry sometimes. That's probably part of the nice guy syndrome itself. I think one of the big words, and, and we probably haven't touched on it yet, that in the book they talk about is being, before a nice guy, being nice is a form of manipulation. Okay. It's a form of manipulation and it's passive aggressive activity. You know, they're being nice as a tool for an exchange of value to them. So, you know, this obviously, because again, we can talk about it as a guy, it's easy to quantify this to sex, but it's, you know, it's, it can be trickled down to a million other things. But as we've learned throughout history and dating and relationship, you know what women are not attracted to? Nice guys. Women find nice guys extremely, you know, they think they're nice, but they're not attractive. There's nothing, you know, that's why they continue to go out with the bad guy. They continue to go out with the guy that doesn't, you know, call them when he's supposed to. And, and to Kevin's point earlier of like being an asshole, I think that that's like some reindeer games and some bull that guys play. But I think, you know, if you want to unpack like where the real issues in this lie is in that term manipulation, you know, how are you being a nice guy in exchange to try to manipulate a situation? Yeah. Um, I'm not that, I'm not that I was, it's tough for me. I was like going through and listening to the, um, looking at like the examples and like, obviously these aren't like the real guy's names, but, um, I, there was one in there, uh, Alan, I, I put like a note because he goes on a business trip with the young, hot coworker and they're at a hotel and they're drinking and they're in a jacuzzi and, uh, the hot coworker, she's in a string bikini and she's sitting on his lap and they're making out. And, and then she wants to go back to her room and, and Alan turns her down. Like, um, I think Alan's, Alan's full of shit, man. Like I want to Alan's number and give him a call. <laughs> I'm like, no, that don't, this, no, no way. What? Like Alan, what Alan, what's wrong with you? Like, cause then he says it's because of the idea of that. It's like, you know, he's like trying to get his like gratification. You know what I mean? He just wants to get the attention and get the, get the feeling from it, but then not, you know, actually doing things. So he puts himself in these like crazy sexual situations without, I don't know, man. I think Ellen's testosterone is a little bit low because <laughs> I mean, if we're going like this far and then Ellen's not getting it in, man, like I want to do a little bit of research on that, on, on the Ellen character. I don't know how, how much I believe uh, an Ellen story. I, I always think like, you know, uh, it, you know, to like even your profession, Brad, and you know, you probably see a lot of this, but it's a lot of like fear of failure. It's fear of exposing yourself. Um, you know, everybody wants to, you put on, you put on a podcast, you know, based around being an alpha, but what does that actually mean? You know, what does being an alpha mean? What is being a man mean? Um, and if you're using manipulation or, you know, you're, you're afraid of being criticized, you're afraid of actually being who you are in because of the judgment of others. I mean, we've all done it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody else of wanting the acceptance of others because as much as, and, and I think that this is something that comes into being a man as you get older. 
Um, but when you look back at like being 20 years old or, you know, let's even go a little bit further in high school, uh, Kevin knows one of my, like one of my drivers to get to where I've gotten in life has been, you know, both my parents are happily married. They've been married for like 45 years, 50 years, forever. And my dad was in the Air Force. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and they didn't have the money, um, to give me the sweet sneakers like I wanted in high school or like in, in, at, not even high school, middle school. Jordan. Jordan. I wanted Jordans. So I don't bad. want to expose any of your I don't want to expose any of your personal, you know what I mean, information too much. I don't want to make this a raw nerve opening no. about the Michael Jordan. I and wanted I wanted these Jordans so bad. And my mom, like they were like 130 bucks. And I, you know, when I told my mom, she laughed and then I laughed and then she kept laughing and I never got Jordans and it's basically been this like huge driver of like, I never wanted to be in a situation where I couldn't get the things that I want, but because of the nature of that, I mean, I've also been full of, I have bought cars and bought things that I had no business buying because I couldn't afford them. I have, you know, I've done stuff and I've, you know, been friends with people because I thought. I don't know, because I wanted their acceptance. And uh, it's taken me to get to 41 years old to realize, like, I don't care. Like, I don't need you in my life. I don't want these people that are fake in my life. I want to surround myself with people that make me a better person. But I think that that's a really hard thing to say to yourself when you're 25. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a hard thing to say to yourself and believe your own, like, believe what you're saying to yourself. I want to I want to jump in on this and and um, I I don't have like I, I I'm not like I don't have like as many leather bound books behind me as Brad does. I'm gonna defy I'm gonna de- defer to you on this, but it's um it was it was Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Was it Maslow? Yes, the, hi- the seven hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. And um, without like studying uh, the the psychology behind that, this also tied into fight or flight as well, right? So um, I feel like at it at the base root of all of this shit, it comes down to fight or flight. And because as I read, the, I'm reading the books, I'm thinking about this, and I'm and I'm going like, you know, does some is some kid over in um, Afghanistan or like in some tribal village or, or or Rwanda or somewhere like this where violence now violence is injected in a situation. Um, is this like something, is this a conversation that they're having? Is this an issue over there? Is this somebody that's, that it is around extreme violence? So that is to say that is an actual fight or flight, not societal fight or flight is, are we, are, are they having like the same, it was like, no, Muhammad, no more fight or flight. He's like, I'm going to go chop her head off or head him or whatever, stone, stone her to death or something like this. You know what I mean? Like. So is this like a uniquely an American problem? Are you no. talking about the social fight or flight? Well, yeah, yeah, be- because that we have it so easy here as Americans, and we do, uh, as far as not even maybe a Western. I'm sorry, we'll just say Western. Is this a Western problem? It, it, so we have a societal fight or flight that's kicking in because we don't have actual fight or flight that's happening in our life. We're not like would I even be considering this? Would I be suffering? Like I had 
So for me, it wasn't for me, it wasn't Jordan, because if I went down the street in my neighborhood growing up with Jordans, I probably would have got robbed or shot for them. So you know, I, I look in terms of is, is and again, I hate I'm Steve, I'm trying to like, you know what I mean? Like whatever. But right. I, I see how this manifest, how I manifest, how this manifested in me becoming a nice guy. But again, we and as I said, like when I was younger, it was more of the. I had more of the violent, you know, tendencies, the anger tendencies, the anger issues uh, cropping up. And I wonder if this has to do with being in a more violent upbringing and a more societally violent upbringing. So I, I don't know if this, if they're having these same kind of conversations where you're, you actually are, are wondering how you're going to eat that day, or you're wondering, you know, if you're going to, you know, get home, get home alive. Like, is this something that is is unique to Western culture? And I don't know, like almost like in like entitlement issues. Well, sure. I mean, this is a Western problem because I mean, when you think of like where this stems from, if this stems from a huge abundance of femininity in your life or this inability to recognize what it's like to be a man, and and even to that, like if you if if you're talking about the difference between like having food and having a pair of Jordans, I would say that there's probably a huge difference in that. But I, I think that that gets, I mean, that gets way deeper than a book about a guy, you know, dumping the dishwasher to expect a blow. Well, right. But, but I think it's really, okay. So when we, we talked, you and I talked about the book itself, we talked about how there, that the solutions, that there was a lack of solutions. So for me, in order for me to overcome my, uh, for me to becoming a recovering nice guy, I, I, I and I, and I, and again, I, I say this all with like, sort of like a grain of salt, right? Because they, all these things are still like, this is a very nuanced, right? This is like, this is like medicine. This is like biology. There, there's a lot of stuff happening here. So, sure. you, so to, to, to take it back on uh, one more step. You have to read this book with a grain of salt. So the reason, um, the reason I talk about this sort of stuff is because I want to I deconstruct it. And the reason I want to deconstruct it is because I read a lot of great books that were like, oh, man, you know, like this is how you, you know, how you achieve in business. This is how you deal better in social situations. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But at the root, I was still up, man. You know what I mean? At the root. And I'm not saying like, oh, I read the book and now I'm great. Everything worked. But it did give me some answers um, as to why I felt awkward in social situations, like why it was hard for me to walk up to a group of people and be like, hi, I'm Kevin, without like being drunk. You know what I mean? Like I don't, different episode, <laughs> well, different episode, I guess, a different day. But uh, I, again, like, so it, it makes me want to sort of like deconstruct this stuff. Like I want to keep now after I read it, because there's a ton of great books out there. and and. Again, this is, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but some of those, I really like Jack Canfield's success principles because it, 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 it provides some answers, some of this stuff. So I almost felt like I was going in reverse. Like I read Andre Marcus, uh, Own the Day, Own Your Life, another great book. So if you're reading this going like, all right, well, so I read the No More Mr. Nice Guy. Well, where do I go from here? I started with all the like the, you know, Andy Frasella and the Gary V's and all this stuff. And I'm like trying to implement this stuff into my life. But at the same point in time, I'm going, man, why though? Like, why am I still off 
fucked up, man. Like, why am I still participating in these covert contracts? Why are me and my wife still jammed up? Why am I not like, you know, because I don't think, right. I don't think guys do the work. I think with all of this, I think, I think by guys buy courses and guys buy books and guys buy, you know, um, guys go to therapy, guys do all of this stuff and they don't do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but my point, my point being was that it's like, as uh, the reason I was talking about this fight or flight stuff is because like, I, I love it. And I want to, I, like, I, I want to deconstruct it more. Well, well be, because I think that's where, it, that's really where it comes from. Right. Because your need to connect with somebody, you know, it's not just, it's not just about the sex, man. It's about feeling loved, feeling needed. Like, sure. you know, I, and I brought up those hierarchy of needs because, you know, one of them, one of those hierarchy of needs, like if you don't pick a baby up in its first, whatever, seven days, you need connection. You need to feel connection. And, and it, it's going it, to do that work. This isn't like, you're going to read a book and, and, and be able to not, at all. Know, not feel that anymore. And again, this is like, this is a, I believe that the book is, is truly at its very, at its very base is talking about an emotional fight or flight situation because you're scrambling, man. You're, you're doing the dishes, not just because you want to get your DS. You're doing the dishes because you want love, man. You know what I mean? You want love from your spouse. And, 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 and you can say, I love you, honey. You know what I mean? And then we're going to sleep in separate bedrooms because the love, the physical manifestation of love, right, is love making. And I really wish the guy would call it fucking. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like you're going to, he's like, this is when you're going to go home and you're going to make love. Like, man, come on, bro. No, no, no. Like, that's you his know, last like, guy stuff still still showing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, cause look, look, and, and and I know, man. I know you. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know you're like the swearing thing. It's 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 it is a part of me, man. But sometimes you need to ask. You know what I mean? Like, you can, it's not you can't turn on uh, Al Green, man, and, and get a nice like slow lovemaking session. I think that's also nice guy shit. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you gotta like get up in there man you got to be animalistic in nature you got to go back to those first few days that like when you first connected with your woman or something like that you know what i mean because it was all all animalistic you know what i mean it, but so so to that i agree with you a thousand percent but i think i think you're more in the weeds than you know we're we're disconnected from that we're a step like if you're at the point where you're reading this book and you're like in this nice guy behavior you're not getting all up in anything. Yeah, that's you're right. you're you're not you're not even at a spot where you know your sympathy fucking. You know she's giving up ass because you're married, not because. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that's where when I say do the work, um, you know, Brad is, you know, I I've known Brad for a long time, and I was, you know it's been a hard road. It's taken a long road to get to where I'm at right now. And I would say that I know more men that are miserable in the relationships and unhappy with their lives. And they don't know how to dig themselves out of the shit that they're in. And you could hand them the book and you could talk to them about this, but unless you're ready to accept some real brutal self-honesty and look mm -hmm. in the mirror, and and see that okay here is you know here's where i'm broken and here are these necessary steps to get out of my own way 
you know, I like, let's be real. You talk about acceptance and love. Really, it comes down to, and, and Brad, uh, we've discussed this. Of It's not even guys don't want to be told that they're loved. They want to be told that they're appreciated, right. that they're respected, that it, at the core root, they just want to be acknowledged that they're there and that they're of value. That, right. you know, there's another book, like, what is it? They value, what's that other book? Not valuable male, the, uh, the superior way of the superior. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. Way of the superior man. Guy, guys want to be respected. accepted for who respected and accepted for who they are. And at a certain point, that's where the idea of like having fake friends, having, you know, putting on fake ideals being you know being somebody you're not so that you can get the acceptance of others that's where you really i think if you want to like figure out how do you stop doing this you can't fix what you don't know isn't broken well i think of what a lot of guys too they're blind to they they just see themselves as a victim and they're like she won't do this and i can't ever get it never goes my way and i i can't i'm i'm never happy because of the external situation and they think what's so wrong with me? You know, I do all this and I work hard and I, and I'm, and I take care of her and I give her everything she wants. And I'm always, you know, looking out for her and I buy her things and I do all these things. A lot of this really comes down to relationships. He talks about, you know, get how to get what you want in life, love and sex or something like that. But really I think the nice guy problem shows up in relationships. And if you're not, if things aren't happening for you, it's probably that you're, stuck in some of this stuff where you're 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 just walking around living in weakness and you have no idea you think you're you think you're working through you think that restraining your voice you think that keeping calm you think that avoiding the fight you think that giving and serving and loving and sacrificing there's a place for that i think on the other side of the spectrum is the guy who needs to forget himself and totally you know there it, it's on a continuum we're talking about nice guys who never really get what they want and they're confused by it because look at all this stuff I'm doing. Look at every time the garbage needs taken out, I take it out every time and I do all these things. And I'm always looking out for you. I and go to work. I bring home the money. I'm I doing, bring yeah. home the money. Yes. I'm, I'm taking care of the kids. I'm the best dad ever. I do all these things. Why can't I get what I, what I need? And but, but even, but, but I'll even say that to you and I, Kevin, like look at how many close male friends, you know, I would say you and I are pretty close, but how many other friends do you have that, or how many other guys do you know that have friendships like ours? Or how many guys do you know that even have close male friends that they can talk about their problems with? I don't have a lot of time because after this, I got to do a podcast with my other best friend. <laughs> so even things are done. I mean, it's like I'm lined up, man. I can't even like four o'clock in the morning, you're going to roll the son of a bitch, man. Um, but so I want to go, I want to double back on this again. I, I got to do it, man. I got to do it. But you, be, you have, you have to look to at, it's not just 100% you. So you can do all this shit. Right. And they sure. talk about the, in the books, they talk about boundaries. Now the, the issue is, and, and, and I'll open it up. I, I'm a pretty open guy, but my, my wife is a no, is a Mr. Nice guy too. So the problem is, is when you have two people in a relationship that, you know, are broken and what do we say steve hurt people, people. <laughs> hurt, hurt, hurt people yeah hurt people hurt people but it but it's true 
So uh, the point is, is and we talk about boundaries. So in the book, so if you don't start setting some of these boundaries and creating deadlines, right? Like, and Steve, I know you know this one too, but uh, like a, uh, what is it? A, a goal, a goal without a deadline. It's just a, a dream or a wish or something yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't assert yourself and, and these are very difficult yeah. things that we're talking about, you know, you got a relationship for 15 years that's broken or 10 years that's broken and you start making boundary lines and, and you set hard, hard lines. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's fucking, dude, this could, this could be game over for your relationship, especially sure. if she continues to remain broken. And the reason I say that, um, I, and I told my wife, I said, man, I'm going to put me on the damn show and where I'm going to have to get a little personal because me and my wife were, were like really broken, man. You know what I mean? Like really, really broken. And, and there was like, if we did, if either of us drew the boundary lines that, that if I read that, if we both read this book together, let's say 10 years ago, me and my wife been together almost 20 years. But if we drew these boundary lines on each other and we didn't, and, and we like, we would have ended in divorce. So when I say this yeah. to anybody that's listening to this, like this could very well end your relationship. For me, oh. I, I, I like, and, and I talked about with Steve before we went on the show. I'm like, God, man, if, if somebody asked me relationship advice and I say, do it the way I did it, like, man, you are, you are in some, for some real heartache, man, because the other person, their accountability matters too. And, and they, 100%. and that's why they say like, you should read this book with your spouse. You should read this per it, again. So if you're just, if you're some 20 year old kid listening yep. to this and you know what I mean? You've been through a handful of relationships, you're like, you know, you, you need to make sure you're setting these boundary lines into your next thing. If you're a guy our age and you've been in something that hasn't been working for a really long time, um, that, then I, I, I say this with a lot of caution, you know, because this could be if you draw the boundary lines and, and that she keeps on stepping over them, she doesn't, you know, do the things that you know that that she needs to be doing on her end to make this thing work, that you got to grow together, man. You know what I mean? So luckily in, in our relationship, um, you know, me and my wife, both, uh, we saw the, the biggest, the, the, the most toxic thing between us was drinking. And, and so that had to be, we knew that that was the first thing that needed to go out the window for us to start getting right with one another. We had to start doing the, the deep work on ourselves. And, and so <clears throat> without getting like in, insanely too personal or making this episode about me in any way, um, I'm very, very thankful that my wife was able to start doing doing the work and i was doing the work without reading the book it was a very long process for us and, and sure. we came out the other side and and and, and today we're, we're we're doing great but she's growing with me though that's the most important thing. So you either gotta you gotta set those boundaries and say either you're gonna you know we're gonna either do this together we're gonna grow together we're gonna get better together but if those boundary lines keep on getting crossed then you know, you got some serious soul searching. You got to ask yourself what your happiness is worth because it could be worth your life, man. Like I, I you see these guys, man, see them sitting there on vacation or something. And they're both like not exchanging a single word. I remember saying that to my wife one time, like watching this no. other couple and they're sitting there and they're not even talking, man. They're having their fucking lunch or whatever. And they're drinking their coffee and they're like not saying a single word. And you know how they're going to go home. There's going to be no fucking you know, like there hasn't been probably for 10 years, they're probably going to sing in their single sad bed, you know what I mean? 10 feet between each other. And they're either going to live a life of unhappiness or they're going to wait way too long and then get a divorce when they're all gross and wrinkly and can't get, any, can't, can't get anything better. You know what I mean? If you've seen Tinder at 60, that's a sad place. 
I mean, I've, I, you know, we're putting it out there. I, I've done this twice. I've failed two marriages and, you know, I certainly can't take all the blame for it, but I, I've also, I'm self-aware enough that I can go and I can look back at these marriages and I can see that, uh, you know, a major common denominator was me and my actions or my lack thereof. I mean, my nice guy tendencies, my failures, I mean, and coming out of my previous marriage, I was a bag of I was, I, you know, I was a mess because I put all of my self-worth in somebody else. I, you know, depended on this person and, you know, I was a king of covert contracts. It's like, I probably like, oh, yeah. I could have wrote you a book. That would have been my book is like how to create the perfect covert contract. And all it does is it creates a lot of guilt and animosity and, uh, and you're a hundred percent right. I mean, you know, my marriage didn't end because I set boundaries. My marriage ended because I became a giant vagina, you know, because I wasn't doing the part of being a man. I was not showing up in the relationship. And, uh, you know, she she obviously had her parts. And um, since we've discussed and she's aware of like what she what she did, but uh, you're a million percent correct. Because there's a lot of guys that are sitting here like, yeah, man, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm doing these things. But this isn't a linchpin that you can just pull the pin on, like throw the grenade and things are better. You could blow up your relationship. Yeah. yeah I, and, I, Brad, I, I, and I almost want Brad's take on this because, you know, he sees these guys that are like on the cusp of divorce. You know, they're, they're separated. And how, how does somebody nice guy tendencies, reads the book, drinks the Kool-Aid, re ready to do the work. How do you instill this into a relationship and not have it implode in front of you? I think, well, I would say 90% of guys who separate or divorce, they, they, if they're honest, they would say that they've lost themselves. They, they're not doing the things that, that make them feel good anymore. They're just orbiting around their partner and their whole identity is wrapped up in, I am what, what I get back from you. And, and they, they're, they're seeing themselves as like super diminished. And what does a guy do when he, when he gets divorced? What, what is the rebuilding? Well, he starts working out. He starts having fun. He starts hanging out with his friends again. He, he, he finds himself and that's what he could have done and should have done before all that. And yeah. I know going through a divorce, that's where I was. I sat there with myself at night on a Saturday night thinking, who, who, who even am I? I'm so disconnected from myself and, and, and my whole identity was wrapped up in what I think you think I am, that I was no one. And I, and I carried that into the next relationship still revolving around, okay, my, you're the center of the universe for me and how you treat me is the only indication of who I am. That's miserable, man. That's, that's yep. so much misery. So he that, talked that's, about that's mom and dad, right? Yeah, that's, seriously. That's, like this is coming yeah. back from your fucking mom and dad issues, yes. right? Because yeah. it's like the same thing. Like you know me, you know me better than anybody else in the world. You know all my deep dark secrets. You know all my subtleties, all my you know little quirks and intricacies that make me who I am. Why the f don't you love me, man? What is wrong with me? And then yeah. <laughs> that's it. You look in the mirror, you're like, man, I must be a piece of shit. Mom and dad didn't love me, or mom didn't love me. Now my wife doesn't love me because. And because what you were telling yourself at that point is like, when you really get to know me, when you really get to know who I am at my core, I'm fucking shit. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because nobody knows me more than you and you don't love me. Why? God. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going around hopping and jumping, trying to do every little thing that I think you might like. And, and I'm guessing and I'm love bombing and I'm doing all this stuff just to say, man, maybe I can get some meaning out of this. Maybe I can get some value. Maybe I can remember who I am as what is my worth as a human being and as a man. It never really shows. And so we just keep trying, always miserable, thinking, oh, I must need to do more. And all that giving, that's back to the covert contract. It never really pays off. The the challenge I find in this is that, you know, when you look at a lot of guys, they lack those, you know, again, those male friendships, you know, they're not going on hunting trips. They're not, you know, they're not going out riding dirt bikes with the boys. They're not, they, they've given up their hobbies. They've given up their identity to be with this person. And I think, you know, as a guy, when you look like when I went through my divorce, right. Um, I I'm not from Las Vegas, moved here like four years ago. And as I'm sitting here at home alone, I didn't have anybody I could call. I didn't have, I lived in a city of 2 million people and I have like two people I could call to go grab a drink, grab a beer with, or go grab food with. And that became such a realization to me that I'm doing something wrong. Um, I had gone down, you know, I was at like, you know, I, man, I I'm booking like, a plane ticket, like right now to come out there and give you a hug, man. I, I'm I'm good, man. You a hug. I, I know you are, but I want to give you a hug so bad right now, man. I'm like, fuck shit. I just want right. to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, but I see this, I see this with so many guys. And, you know, and I feel really bad and, and it's made me want to be such a better friend. I mean, to that point of like, you know, I, I'm in a situation now where I have two older boys and like, uh, older isn't like adults, 22 and 18. And, you know, the other, like other week, Kevin invited me out to their company, Chris or company holiday party. And I'm like, I had no reason to say no. And I bought the ticket and I was there and, you know, middle of this next month, I'm doing the same thing. I have, we, you know, him and I have a mutual buddy, um, who's in Denver and in Texas and I'm doing the same thing and I'm going out to fly to hang out with him because it's, it's fleeting. Life is fleeting. This is all fleeting and you can have the coolest things, the nicest house, all these like great accolades and all the big checks in the bank. You got I, 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 I didn't get an invite from Jet to, to come for the hangout in Denver. Like, what the We're going to share this. We'll share this podcast with him. <laughs> it's in Texas. We're going to go drink oh, wine. And uh, yeah, I'm so upset. Yeah, I'm so I'm I want to sure ride man. around with BMW Sprinter. We got a buddy. <laughs> Mercedes Sprinter. Mercedes Sprinter. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's Mercedes Sprinter. Uh, it's like, man, he should be on the show because it was like him and his mate Mercedes Sprinter. And then he like panned. He's like, look how bad this badass this thing is. There was nobody else in there. I was like, man. You could have been in a Geo Metro with like two people. <laughs> you didn't have to spend 180 grand, Jared. Like I would have, I'd come hang out with you. But no, I see how it is. That's, that's fine. I think, I think it's no, I, I think that that I was busy anyway. You, <laughs> I had like a bunch of stuff going on. Cool. Fine. <laughs> I had another guy going to see like in another state. <laughs> that's a good point you're making though man uh, the absence of 
I think I had a professor who he used to say, you know, the, the, the biggest problem in the world is, uh, what did he say it was? He was a child development specialist. He said, the biggest problem in the world is low birth weight. So babies born <laughs> under five. Yeah, seriously, babies oh. born under five pounds. That means their intelligence and they weren't nourished properly and whatever. I think the biggest problem in the world is weak men. And I think the reason there are so many weak men is because they don't have any friends and they don't foster relationships. They don't have any sense of tribe. My little litmus test for do you have a tribe is if you needed somewhere to crash tonight, do you have more than one place to go that's not your family? Do you, no. if, you, if you had an emergency, could, is there anybody you call at two in the morning who would drop everything and come help you out? And if yeah. you don't, then that means you need some of that. So I want to get back to, I want to go to a topic that the guy brings up that's a little bit shocking in the book. He talks about being monogamous to your mother. Mm. Now, we're going to go Freudian here. What is he talking about? Monogamous, oh, remaining monogamous to your mom. Oh, Kevin. man, I don't, I, don't look at me, man. So I'll give my opinion on this, right? So um, many of us boys and myself included that were raised by women um, with, my dad was obviously in the picture, but my, I had a stay-at-home mom. And I have a very close relationship with my mom. Um, my mom has a personality that's, uh, very much love it or hate it. Um, I will say that every wife and or girlfriend I've had has at one point really loved my mom and also gone months without talking to my mom because my mom is very opinionated, you know, it's my mom's way. And I think that this carries over. You know, like when you see how how you interact with your mom, does your mom love you? Are you in this constant like thirst trap to try to get love from your mother? Um, you know, and, and we've all heard the term "mama's boy." Is it? I think I think this all carries over. You know, women want to see that you have a strong relationship with your mom, but they don't understand what that also means that that strong relationship with your mom. You know, sometimes your mom needs to be told no. You know, sometimes your mom is wrong. Um, it's something I've I've had a problem with. I've had I've had relationship fights where uh, I didn't back my mom off, and my mom's opinion overruled my significant others. And you want to see your relationship go sideways as let your mom start making relationship decisions for you versus your significant other. So I want to present the perp the, the diametrically opposed other side of that. So me and my yeah. mom didn't have a relationship either. When I read, when I read like the, you know, Hey, you should be able to pick up women. You know what I mean? Like in a bar or something, I'd be like, okay, let's see, let's see what my am Hey, you're stupid. And I hate you. Like, nope. <laughs> I'm that kind of asshole. Like, God, I've never had a relationship with my mom. I don't know how to be an but I've got, I have a ton of like, when you said, like, do you have one place? You, like, I've got a hundred places around the country I could go. I mean, I've got a, like more than a handful of like extremely close friends. You know what I mean? Like, oh, really? I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I mean, I, I but listen, I, know, I, talk, I talk to nobody more than I talk to you, Steve. You were, listen, iPhone is eventually like there's this new thing where they put the person that you tell that you text the most at the top is a T. That's my wife. That's the person you most text the most. Like you're probably she's probably gonna eclipse. iPhone is gonna change it to an X. 
it's going to make it Steve. Like, right. and it, I think you are for. already, it's already identified you as one of my emergency contacts. It's just up. That's but awesome. I just, I do, I do have a great group of friends because me and my dad had a great relationship as friends. Like he wasn't, he was not the best dad in the world, but he sure was a great friend. Like he gave me the, the archetypal, like, that's why I talk shit. Like, that's why I joke around. That's why I bust balls. Like, I am that dude. Like, I am that friend. Like, I am that guy. I'm, I'm the first guy that if somebody was like, something, 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 I would reach across and blow somebody's mouth out of face of my friends because I didn't have, like, you know, so to speak, like a, a, a family. So I created my family. I created bonds with brothers that are, are I am closer to than probably, you know, my, my entire family. You know what I mean? My blood related fan, not my wife and kids and like that. But, but so to that point, I always had, I was always terrible. Like it was always hard for me. Like I was always a sad sap when it, when it came to women, like there was always this, like, I don't want to say like pity, but it was that, you know, like, Oh, you know, like introspective sort of like art when I was younger, you know, like artisty, like deep thinking, like I, I didn't have that charm that could go and like, walk into a bar and, and pick up a lady. I, I not, had no idea how to interact with women because my mom and my relationship was so dysfunctional. And oh. so like to, to that, to Steve's point, it's like, that, that's when we started this off when we're like, Oh, being, having a uh, monogamous relationship with your mom. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like I went through this whole book going like reading through all these like different traits and things. It was like, no, I'm that guy. I'm like, no, I'm that guy. I'm like, damn it, parents. Both my parents are gone. I mean, they passed away, so I can't call them up and give them a good stern talking to. <laughs> but I, I don't. Yeah. So, yeah, that I think and to, to my point, like, I think that's why I'm able to, to be able to be that way with men. And I can have a strong relationship with men because my dad kind of like was always that person to me. Like he was always a good buddy of mine. You know what I mean? So I wonder if that did shape things, though. So like where Steve's saying they had a very close relationship, maybe even too close. She started to kind of you know, interfere in his, his romantic relationships and stuff where you had the absence of that. I wonder if that also shaped it in a negative way. Are you saying, I mean, like, I wonder if that made you more dependent or. Oh, that was a missing, that was a hole or something that you're trying to. Uh, Yeah. Cause I'm a, my wife knows I'm a notorious flirt. I am terrible. I'm a terrible flirt, man. You know, like, get me in a room with like a hundred women. I'm all flirt with them, but it probably like real awkwardly because I'm still not saying that I'm, I've ever got really bad better at like trying to pick up women because I've been with my wife for 20 years. But I mean, I like have like dad jokes. I do like the wink. I'll do the wink and the guns. Like I, I flirt with every girl, but you know, that's how I am. <laughs> you know, like, I need the girl's attention to Bob. It hugs me enough. But yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. Absolutely. And then that's where you get into like serial cheating and all that shit because you're like out there trying to find, you know, like, like old Alan, I don't, in the book, you know, he probably didn't get a lot of, you know, I don't know if Alan was like one of the guys who had this serial relationship with his mom. I don't know that, that one part really bothered me, man. <laughs> about Alan. <laughs> like Alan, bro, just do it, man. Was, get that, the, it was that where he's talking about vagophobia? <laughs> <laughs> My Ooh. favorite fucking part, Vagophobia. Get out of here. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I keep on going back to Alan, man. So I was like, this part's bullshit. But so you're, so let's get back to Steve. You're a mama's boy. Is that? What 
<laughs> oh, I've definitely grown up as a mama's boy for sure. I mean, I, I you know, I still my mom's in my life every day. I think that I think it's gotten better, but I mean, it has taken some setting of boundaries. I mean, my you know, and I think it's I think it's easier, or I think it's an e- not easier. I think it's I think it's an easy path where guys, if they've had any sort of relationship with their mom and they're close to their mom, where you know that that motherly opinion ends up carrying so much weight versus, you know, the opinion of your spouse. Um, you know, it, I'm sure Brad has, in his years of dealing with this has had many of guys come in where like the mother interferes, you know, um, that motherly interference or, you know, to the point of the book where it's like, you have like this almost incestual relationship or this, uh, high need for praise or acceptance from your mom. I don't think I've ever had that. I just think it's like, you know, I, I trusted my mother probably more than I trusted my partners. Um, you know, so whatever the, that means about me being crazy and broken and sad. I don't know if I misread it or if I projected this onto the, to the narrative or whatever, but I thought what he was saying about monogamous to your mom is that we sometimes like, unconsciously sabotage relationships just so that we can, you know, let me ruin this. So I, so my first love, my true love is my mom or my need for that, the unmet need for that, this archetypal, you know, perfect love or whatever. Let me just ruin everything out here um, so that I can stay monogamous to mom. I think I see that pattern too, where guys, you know, go through relationships that are up and down or that are, you know, they're on and off again, or that they continue to fail. Um, it may be that who they're really trying to stay true to is their mom. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, I think there's also too, again, if you look at the flip side of that, if you didn't get like, if you didn't get that, then, then it's like, then are you spending like an, a, dis- a proportionate amount of time, um, trying to find that somewhere, trying to, trying to get that from somebody, if you've never had that, that maternal you know, connection with your mom, like a guy like me, um, are you, are you like, is that what you're trying to find? And then, and I think he talks about it in the book. It's like, that's why you end up picking, you're picking a spouse. Look at that, man. I'm so no more Mr. Nice guys. My wife, I don't care. I'm not even answering your question right now. because I'm doing a podcast. No more Mr. Nice guy. You're going to come home. You couldn't answer my tax. Like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cause I, cause I had a dysfunctional relationship with my mom and I'm not going to put that on us. So no, you stop. I got to go guys. She's calling. I got to go. I got to go. She needs to know what is wrong with you. Nipples for the baby. No, but he talks about that. Right. So it's like, you're trying to find that in your spouse, which is like why a lot of people end up with people. And he talks about in the book, you end up with somebody like your mom. You know what I mean? You're like you end up taking somebody who's emotionally unavailable because you know she was un- uh, unavailable to you, so I-, I mean I get that part of it. I don't, I, you know, you'd have to talk to my brother. He's the mama's boy in our family, so yeah. So you're always trying to like you're trying to win approval. Like if I just keep giving, if I just give more, and and I'm more accommodating and giving, then you know maybe eventually I'll get seen and loved and appreciated as the person I really am. So the integrated man. I mean, how do we fix this stuff? You know, this, this guy has all these, this messy stuff going on. How does he fix it? What is the, 
solution to being a nice guy. And if we can all relate to this stuff, what have you done? What helps men no longer be this and kind of grow up? Self-awareness. Yeah. Okay. So self-awareness. I mean, you know, this is all, if you've got your head up your ass and you're, you know, and you, you know, as a guy, I think it's like, I think we're all predispositioned to immediately go to like the defense on this. I'm not this way. I'm adjusted. I don't have these issues. But I think if you actually look in the mirror and, you know, and I think for a lot of guys, when you're going through your marriage and you're going through your day to day, there isn't this, there isn't this level of friction. I mean, it, it's probably a level of like codependency and it's not like a straight, like, you know, almost a fire extinguisher moment where you've got to fuck, where you've got to fix this relationship today. You know, a lot of people are just going through the motions day after day. He dumps the dishwasher and then he gets mad because she doesn't put out and they have that argument. And that goes on for the next 15 years or 10 years. And eventually what happens is, you know, John at the office whispers sweet nothings to your wife. And all of a sudden she feels warm and fuzzy because somebody else is talking to her the way you're not. And all of a sudden now you're in, you know, to Kevin's point, fight or flight of, oh my God, I got to save my marriage. And now you're pouring it on extra thick. And guess what she doesn't want? She doesn't want your love. Um, she doesn't want like, oh baby, let's go out on a date tonight. Let me love you. Let me hold your hand. Let's sit on the couch. I'm not going to play the Xbox tonight. I'm going to do all these things that you've asked me to do for the last 10 years of our marriage. And I'm going to pour it all into you today. But she's already talking to, you know, John at the office who tells her that she's beautiful and makes her feel special. And you're late. You're too late. And now you have to really do the work on yourself. You have to become the best version of yourself, which yeah. every fucking guy hears. And they're like, you, you know, what does that mean? The best version of myself. I am the best version of myself until you actually do the work. I, I man, I got, I, man, I know you got to bleep. I got to bleep stuff, man, but you, I don't know how you're going to bleep this one because it's going to be like my shirt. I'm getting this made. This is going to be my brand. I live by it, man. Hard lifts equal hard dicks, man. And that is how you get better. I'm dead ass serious, man. You get your ass to the gym and you start producing more testosterone. You start lifting. You start doing hypertrophic training. Not, no, you don't go put on your fucking jogging pants and Go for a little jog around the run, boys. <laughs> Take the dog for a walk. No, man. You go and you lift heavy shit. You go look quite literally to use Steve's favorite uh, uh, non-sequitur. Quite literally. Go see the alpha dudes doing alpha shit. And you know, so, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just like tongue in cheek. Because you're going to go in there, and, and especially if you've never gone and lifted a weight in your life, you're going to go in there. And I'm not like Mr. Six-Pack abs or anything because i love to eat nachos and pizza and you know what i mean do what i want and shit. but i go and lift weights because i don't want a six-pack here in my belly i need one up here you know what i mean it keeps me sharp it keeps me focused it, it starts my day off right but you it, it produces more testosterone it produces more um oh man uh endorph endorphins you know you you you, you get you get something out of it. You know what I mean? And again, this is not, don't go to fucking CrossFit 
Don't go to Orange Theory. Okay. CrossFit's, I'm, o- CrossFit's okay. No, listen, uh, the, listen. This is, and I, but because I put that back to the, the, the theory of we're talking about, like, I'm sorry, but like, there is a tried and true, tested way of like, of working out. There's an old school man lifting heavy shit. What was his name? Such a Teddy, was it Teddy Atlas or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. Regarding, uh, yeah. I so think he that, was the lead singer of uh, that one. <laughs> But but I, I think there's just something to be said for going in and lifting weights in an old school way and not getting into all the, you know, the jazzer size and can, uh, because at, at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to go in there and listen it, for the most part. Okay. I, I'm saying the most, I'm not saying women don't go in and deadlift and squat and bench press. I've seen some badass stacked up ladies in there, like getting at it. But generally speaking, that's going to be a more male dominated, dominated environment. You don't want to go in across it and get your ass kicked by Sally who can do 300 kipping pull-up fake pull-up, by the way, not our actual real strict full pull-up. Let's just get that. She can, do, she can do 300 kipping pull-ups. We're going to give her the credit <laughs> for them. <laughs> no, but I'm just, you know, I, what I just mean to say is that you're surrounded by this stuff, by the, by the grunting. Go and don't go to Planet Fitness. Go somewhere that allows you to get that, you know, that rah, get that in there to throw weights down. You know that that promotes that environment that for you. To, what was that again? That, rah! <laughs> I love it, man. You know what I mean? Like my gym, I bet I can drop weights. I can, you know what I mean? Not be a jerk or anything like that, but so it, it, look. Don't wait till the divorce is there. Don't wait for it till it's too late. Because this is what every guy does, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna get in shape. No, oh man, no. Like, so to me, I, I feel like exercise and gym and weightlifting it changed my life because it gave me measurable goals. You know what I mean? At first, it was like the same. Oh, I want to drop 20 pounds or whatever. You know what I mean? I want to do this. I want to do that. Uh, but it it. It, it, it taught me how to set goals. It gave me 90 days and I'm going to finish this program. And I finished okay. that program. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do another program. I want to do another program. Now I'm like anybody else. I fall off and fall down. But the point is, it's like, it's, it's, it's a part of my life. And I think at the very base, if I lost everything tomorrow, if I didn't have a dollar to my name, if my wife left me and took my kids, I could still go out and, and knock out 50 pull-ups. I could still go out and knock out how many ever pull-ups. I'm not given how many I could do because it's not that many. But <laughs> uh, yeah, but I could still go out there at the, at the very least and still train my body and still get that, that stress relief, man, and get that and be in the moment because it's it, they're going to tell you, Hey, go sit down and meditate. If you can go take 10 minutes and meditating to me, meditating. Cause my brain is always going hundred miles an hour. is like the hardest thing in the world to sit down and train your mind to just be quiet. When you are maxing out at failure, or I think jujitsu is another fantastic way. And I think the reason like guys like Jocko Willink and uh, Tim Ferriss, and all these like side of thought leaders in the industry about human optimization choose jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. One, it's like a, it's like the chest of martial arts. And two, there is nothing that you are you are nowhere else. If somebody's got you in an armbar, if somebody has got you in a triangle choke, there is no place that you you're not thinking about your bills. You're not thinking about what your wife's making for dinner. You're not thinking about anything. But how do I get out of this situation? 
put yourself into actual fight or flight situations and win that shit. And when you start your day off every single day, winning, winning something, getting that thing done and getting that feeling, man, there is no better way, I think, than to start this journey by optimizing your life through exercise, man. There's a reason why that, that well, you go and to you a can doctor. Sign up for, and you can sign up for his course in the link below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, guys, go he, ahead. You're so right, man. He actually talks about that in the book, Reclaiming Your Masculinity. Uh, get strong. You know, he's like, yeah, literally man. get strong, do some, get your balls back and do yeah. some male shit. You know? Yeah, I think you got to do some guy stuff. You got to go, you know, shoot some guns, lift some weights do some shit with the guys and you know it's uh i love kevin you know kevin's always the enthusiast for the gym and i and i i can't i can't even nod my head because he busts my balls about it every day um i need to we all need to um i i think it makes a bigger difference than we realize but i think you know i want to pull it back a little bit kevin because i think you know, I, and I almost want Brad's response in this because as somebody who's coming into you with their, you know, separated and you've read this book, you've read all those books behind you, you know, you're giving this advice where guys have to like man up a little bit, you know, and that term, like it's been almost like it's been almost proven where you're not even able to say that to kids anymore because, oh, tell your kid to man up. Well, now he's going to cry. He's going to be able to do these things. but we're seeing a bunch of guys that need to man up, you know, quite literally need to man up because they're not doing man. Shit. Listen, listen, go to, go to Robert Frank's Instagram and just like Robert Frank and listen to everything he says. He's the, he's like this extreme. <laughs> I sent you the, the one link. He's like this crazy, like roided out dude. And, and uh, he's yes. absolutely ridiculous. Like every vein in his entire body is like bulging. And like, and, and it's always like, Oh, you're being a beta male. If you don't go in and bed press 350 pounds, like, blah, blah, blah. like he's like, well, way over the top uh, mm-hmm. thing of that. But I, again, man, like I just, I can't stress that one. And, and, and again, because I, I it, it, for me, it was a catalyst for, for everything for all, for me, starting my business, man, for me, fixing the relationship with my wife, it was something actionable, man. You know, not everybody, Steve, you know, can go and, and just go like, hey, man, like, because he talks about it too. Like, you want to start a business. You want to, you, you want to, whatever it is, like the, the things that, the, the big changes that you want to go and make in your life, man. Like, it's hard for, for some guy to like quit a job and go start the, sure, the, 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 the thing of his dreams. Like, I'm just saying as an actionable, easy first step, you know, because look. Man, well, and that's I'm, why I was asking Brad, like Brad. You're the, like, what are you telling a guy to go do? All of these things. I mean, I, I probably, you know, I guess I'm not such a purist when it comes to, you know, weight training versus other things. I think if you're doing anything, you're better you're off. Right, you're right. Most no, guys aren't right, doing anything. Right. Most guys don't have any physical activity. Just walk into the refrigerator, you know, 12 yeah. ounce curls or whatever. So I think if you're being physical, I like what you said there, Kevin, about being in the moment. When you're doing something like that, you're, you're nowhere else. And so to be present, if you're thinking about, look, think about this nice guy, all these things he's doing. He's in the past. Oh, I've got to redeem myself. I did this bad thing and now I've got to fix it. Or, oh, if I do this sometime in the future, she's going to give me some or whatever. The, you're not living in the present. And I love any of, those, any of those types of stimulation that keep you in the present. That's good. I, I, I'm a 
I'm, I'm not presently going to the gym, but I'm, I've done that plenty in my past. And, and I, when I felt the best, it's when I was lifting hard things. I love the discipline of it. The, you talk about conquering something in the morning and whenever you do that, Ed Milet talks about, you got to keep promises to yourself. And there's nothing like getting on a program, some regimen where, you know, this is, I've set out to do this thing and I did it today. You just got to be a badass in your own way. That's what she wants. She doesn't want you to be nice and worship her and kiss her feet. She, she's not going to respect that. What she respects is that you have a life and that you're doing things that make you feel alive and you're looking after your own health and your soul and your mind and you're learning and growing and you're kind of doing some fun things and you have things going on. That's what makes you attractive. Not just being this kind of servant person who's worshiping the ground she walks on. I don't know yeah. anybody who really likes that very much at all. I, I'll, t- I'll tell you, man, like, because, uh, you know, you both you guys, both you guys know, like, I like the last, my last year of my life has been crazy hectic. I, I, I knew before I read the book, um, Steve mentioned, you know, Steve mentioned the book to me and I, I read it and I was like, I, I, the first thing I texted him after like two chapters, I was like, are you and Brad like having an intervention for me or something like this? Like, uh, I don't, is that like, I feel personally attacked with this book, man. You know what I mean? Like I feel personally under attack with this book. Um, I, I think inherently there was like, I, I never knew what a covert contract was, but I was, I'm definitely, definitely guilty of it. But I'll tell you, man, like the, the one thing, like, like I said, like we have me and my wife, we recently had a, we had a baby boy. Um, we both got, we both got sober. Um, you know, she, she was like, well, she was, man, it, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but like our life, we really started finally like growing together, you know, like trying to like aligning our values and our goals and all these things together. And, and one of the things that I noticed is like, as our, as, as our love life got better, like I also noticed that, and, 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 and we got honest with each other. We started like telling each other, you know, the little 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 skeletons in the closet the little secrets little things that you know build up between a marriage that cause a divorce over time like we broke that dam open and i mean you know i've guys that are listening to this or if, if you're watching on video like listen man you don't end up with like fucking throat tattoos and knuckle tattoos because you're batting a thousand your entire life so i like i'm a little bit of an emotional basket case at times you know it was not no it was not (laughs) it was not an easy it was not an easy road but as we sort of got to these better places i also did notice like a lot more attraction from women like i'm just like i'm boy well you know what i mean having a conversation like now I'm not being the flirty one. Now I'm there flirting with me. You know what I mean? Because our relationship's better, because our love life got better, because we started fixing all these things. Like you could just really start to see the 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 external effects that were happening like all around me from like this uh, from a relate relationship standpoint. And and it's like uh, you know, when I was walking around like all like, you know, whatever, feeling whoever I was being, even this guy like 10 years ago that all my friends are around are these guys that I'm with driving all boats and stuff. They got all these like girls around that are constantly they didn't have to do anything. Why? Cause they're getting laid all the time, man. You know what I mean? And it just like, it, there's this, I don't know if it's uh, biological or, or what it is that you put off into the world that comes out. Cause it's not like I'm, I don't go out and hit on chicks to pick up later than anything like that, but I definitely did notice more 
I, but I think it's also the beard too. My wife yeah, like, that, gray, gray, that gray in the beard. That's that maybe my, my wife talked me into it. She's like, she's like, she's like, ah, you know, I didn't shave for a couple of years. She's like, grow a beard on. I'm like, okay, I'll grow a beard. And then, you know, she really likes it. So maybe it is. Well, maybe it's a gray well, beard. You would know. <laughs> they've said it forever that, I mean, the second you're in a relationship, all of a sudden women find you attractive. And when you're single, it's because you put off like, you know, when you're single, you put off a needy energy. I, I think that, you know, when you're in a happy, healthy relationship, Thanks, that, happy, healthy, you know, oh. that, that emanates out and women see it, it becomes attractive. You know, it's that, well, and, and at the end of the day, it's self-confidence. You know, yeah. it's knowing it's being comfortable in your own skin, accepting who you are. Um, when you're single and you're going through the motions and you're on dating apps and you're, you know, going out date after date after date, trying to find the next human being to be in your life, uh, you, you put off a thirsty energy, uh, you know, a needy energy. And I, and, and I, and I think the only way to get around that is, you know, a mix of like what Kevin said and, you know, like going to the gym, becoming real clear about who you are, what your goals are um, to yourself, holding up promises to yourself. Uh, if, if anything I could go back and tell myself 20 years ago is keep the promises to yourself. Um, you know, I, and I know I, I've been a bigger guy. I've said for, I have told myself for the last 10 years of my life, I want to lose weight and I want to get down to a better weight. And up until this year, I've literally done, you know, the work to get there, or I've taken the steps in the right direction to start losing weight because you, you make these promises or you make these like goals for yourself. And then you do nothing to set them, you know, to, to achieve them. I, my favorite saying to anything is burn the boats. You know, you've got to burn the boats. You got to drop all the shit that got you here. And you really got to focus on what you have to do to become the best aligned version of yourself. That's a good word, aligned. And that, I, that's what I hear Kevin talking about. When you're, you, you become a very attractive person. I mean, in business and with friendships and in whatever way, if you're doing what you know you should do. One of my friends who's a therapist, a, a female friend of mine, um, on her Instagram the other day, she said, what is a strong man? What makes a strong man? And my answer was, you know what to do, and then you do it. And what Kevin, what you're talking about, um, you know, even just the exercise part, you got your relationship in check, you started being honest, you started cleaning things up in your life, everything improves, just exponential kind of things just flow in a better way because you're more aligned. I like that, Steve. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, man, it's like, I hate to bring up that. And sometimes like we, I, I think like this is just like general knowledge, you know, but it's like the, the law of attraction or like the rules of attraction. And these are the things that like we're, we're talking about, like that are actually like legitimately happy. Like I'm getting honest with my wife. I'm getting honest with myself. I'm cutting out the bad shit in my life. Like it, this is not some type of like metaphysical uh, like magic here that's happening. You know what I mean? This is real, like you can connect these dots. It's measurable. And, and, and so when you start to look at things in that, in that manner, 
And you start really considering that what you're putting out into the world is like something that you are, you're truly getting this shit back. Like there's a, there's a, a book and, and people, you can really like scoff at it. And I think popular culture has kind of made fun of it a little bit, but the, the, the book, the secret, you know, and, and it, it's like, I, man, I, I, I lend a lot of credit to that book. You know, I, I really do. Um, I mean, you can look at it in its most literal form or something and be like, write down, I want a bicycle. And then your, your grandpa gets you one for Christmas. And you're like, it's the rules of attraction, the mystical rules of attraction. There's like a lot of like hokey, like marketing shit behind that, that they did with that. But I mean, it really is a secret to life. It, it, it truly is. You know, if you put that on the universe, if you write down, if you, if you live life with intention, you know, and you really, truly put out there what it is that you want, like one way or another, you will get it back. And if you're sitting around and it virtually works the inverse way as well, if you're sitting around going like, oh, you know, well, life, knife never gives me, it's always giving me the no. lemons and I'm not having a pity it. party. Oh, it says, yeah, gee whiz. And like, that's exactly fucking what you, you, you're going to get. If you tell the world that you're going to make a hundred million dollars, or you, you know what I mean, like, and, and and Jack Canfield says it best. I, I I think he in his book he he was like talking about um that they wanted he wrote it down they wanted to sell a million books and they sold like nine hundred and fifty thousand and he's like hey that's failure I can live with sure yeah so you well, got to yeah and I think it's you know guys again I think all of this comes back to action. You've got to take some level of action. You've got to look in the mirror. You've got to be able to, you know, be self-aware of what you're, you know, what are you doing to make this better and or worse? Um, I know there's an author who wrote a book of like, you have to take the blame for everything in your life. Um, good, bad, or, and or indifferent. I mean, you're responsible for your life, not anybody else. So when you start placing your, your happiness or your level of happiness on somebody else, you're only going to set yourself up for failure. And when, you know, these covert contracts and these relate, you know, sexless relationships, the only person you can start to blame is yourself because, you know, while you can't change somebody else, you can you can change yourself. And at a certain point, you're not going to let yourself be in a sexless relationship because you're going to be so fucking powerful in your own body and your own spirit and your own mind that you're not going to be content to stay in a relationship that you're not getting your needs fulfilled. You so, know, hey, real, real quick. So I know, like, I think we're, we're coming in at two hours. Um, yeah. I don't know how long these things go, but um, so it's, three not, hours. it's a marathon this, podcast. This is this is not this is obviously is not my not my format. This is this is the Alpha Quorum show. I had to look that word up, by the way. Okay. Quorum. I, I, quorum. And and I, and I don't you could tell me after the show, like why that why why the quorum? Because I just I didn't quite understand it. But I mean, so I think Steve's takeaway from the book. Um, and one thing that we talked about, and he was like, so they give you the roadmap for why, but they don't really give you like a lot of, you know, suggest, uh, suggestions as to steps. how to go about, right, steps to go about fixing this stuff. And like I said, I feel like I started a little further down the journey in the more how to get this stuff fixed. And then I went back to the why and it kind of like wrapped some things up and was able to connect, to, to, to put some threads to some things for me, which I thought was, was really cool. Um, because I'm always the one, I'm always like the why guy. I want to know why, why, why. Um, so I mean, yes, Brad, I, I, I think 
<laughs> Steve, Steve does some marketing for, for uh, some of my companies, <laughs> a couple of my companies. <laughs> I'm always like, Steve, uh, why are we doing? Um, so, so to, to that point, like Brad, um, what would you think about us giving some suggestions for some, some companion books? And, and I would like to get your, your take on like what you would, what, what do you think of some like more actionable books that can, that can help guys with like, all right, now I know why I'm a sad sack of shit. How do I fix it? What are some what of books that tell you that? <clears throat> One of my favorite books, and this guy gets a lot of heat, uh, but Jack Donovan, The Way of Men, that's one of my favorite ones. He talks about a lot of anthropology stuff and primates, and he kind of talks about the alpha. In it's the called the, the, way, the way, of, way of the Superior Man or The Way the, of the... The Way of Men. Just the Way the, of the Man. Okay. Men, yeah. I've never read that. The Way of Men. It's really good. It's a pretty short book like this one um, as well. That's one of um, my favorites. Is also uh, The Way of the Superior Man, David Data. Um, talks a lot about... I mean, one of the titles and one of the chapters in that book is you know, she wants to see the killer in you. She doesn't want you to kill people, but she wants to see that kind of strength. It's pretty cool. The way of the superior man. Yeah. They, I, and, and, I, and I think that they do. I think they want to see that, you know, most women don't want you to be a killer, but if you killed somebody, they'd help you bury the body. <laughs> well, so what are you, Steve? What, what, are your, what are some of yours? What are your favorite books to... How do you apply? I, I'm, I'm so much more of a podcast guy. So I've read all these books back when I was going through my shit. This, this has been my book. This is like my, you know, this is where you start. I think, you know, he doesn't give great action items where I ended up finding a lot of like help was in like guys like Andy Frisella and, you know, some of those guys where it's, I don't want to say it's almost toxic, but I do feel like you need a such a like, snacking your relationship to or in yourself to like pull yourself out of your own shit um and and the only way you can do that is real self-awareness i feel like i've been you know one of the things that i've been able to do in my own life is to step away and at least identify okay here are these idiotic stupid traits of myself that i can't hold you know that i can't stand about myself these are what i need to change and and when you listen to a guy like andy priscilla who is almost to the point of i would say toxic but it, it, you know i think you need some i thought i, I you, thought you were gonna say seller be sold by grant cardone i i do i do like that you know i do you know i like that. <laughs> Gee, come on you know i like that Ten, well, what's this other one uh like 10x, 10x rule 10x rule it, it is 10x rules is awesome man like yeah, 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 rule. Rule. So it's good yeah oh man that's he's like gonna bust down some philosophical book from 1412 aristotle yeah. from 14 yeah. from plato i got it. yeah <laughs> no no i meant actually meant plato like the rolling plato Pulling Plato's didn't you and I you and I talked about that the other day. <laughs> Rolling Plato snake. Um, all right, yeah, so I got like a whole like I got a whole laundry list, man, of of, the, of some of these books because I because because until like I read this book and I and I hate I, I like I'm not like whatever I'm not I don't have like a an affiliate link for this book or anything like that, but it really tied everything else that I read together really nicely. You know, like it gave me a lot of introspection. I'm like, no shit, like. This is some of the stuff that I like that I do, but um, these books I feel like I give some great answers. One, um, and 
uh, uh, Brad, you and I talked about it. Um, the obstacle is the way. Yeah, Ryan. Um, yeah, Kennedy, right? Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday. Dude, that was Ryan Kennedy and Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday. Obstacle is the way. Um, just just because that book in particular that like helps you deal with like you know like when things like get in the way like how do you get around like these obstacles and again like i, I hate to, i hate like summing this up like this but it is it's like some fight or flight shit because i think whether it be in your relationships in your business in your friendships and like we get into these moments where you're just especially if you are a nice guy or a recovering nice guy where you're just sort of like oh like how do i deal with this the nervousness the anxiety like all this shit because this this book is what they you know they kind of like this starts at childhood with the toxic shame and, and, and how you process things. And, 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 and the no more Mr. Nice Guy um, symptoms, I believe, infect not just your relationships. They infect everything that you do. Yeah. So yes. a, lot of this stu- a lot of this stuff like in, in Holiday's book about the obstacles of way, like gives you some actual like some maybe some more like philosophical things about like where you encounter things in your life and instead of going like, Oh, it's, it's all my fault. Manifest destiny. Mom never fucking loved me. I'm born to fucking fail. I knew this was going to happen. Like it kind of gives you some, a little bit better context to sort of like deal with those moments. And that can be your business relationship. Another one, Aubrey Marcus, which is Joe Rogan's business partner and on it wrote a book called yeah. on the day on your life. It's a phenomenal book that actually gives you like, hey, man, like, you know, what are you doing? How are you optimizing your day? Like, what are you doing in your day-to-day shit that you should be doing, like making your life better from diet to exercise to relationships to, I mean, dude talks about like wrestling naked with his girlfriend. I mean, man, man, there's nothing, you know what I mean? Nothing wrong with that, especially she's smiling because you can fucking whoop her ass, put her in a sleeper hole, DDT, boom. Yeah, yeah. Drop <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought that was a really funny thing like Russell naked I'm like that's a weird one um on the day on your life um I feel like um again b- b- going on this theme David Goggins can't hurt me was it's just a phenomenal book because again yeah. it takes you to that 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 type of place where it puts you in the moment if you're like thinking like oh this is like the end of my life guys that are listening to this and might be going through a divorce like me and my wife have been very, very close. And, 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 and I did, I thought it was like the end of, end of everything. I mean, this dude is in situations that are, were just like, oh my God. Um, podcast. I think the Jocko Willink podcast, yeah. Andy Fisella is another one, but Jocko Willink, man, again, like he puts it into context, man. You know, like what these, these kids are men are doing these Navy SEALs and like these battles that they've gone through. Like, you know, I think a lot of times when I feel like my world's coming to an end, it's like, shit, man, I could have been, I could be like in a foxhole, like suffering from like, you know, having German bombs blowing up all around me in the turn of the century. Like that's real actual, you know, shit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and my favorite one, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up with, with my favorite book is the success principles by Jack Canfield. If you're, if you're just like trying to figure out, you know, he's, he says it all the time and he, they say it in the book too. And, and he stole it from Canfield, but he says, if you, if you, uh, if you, oh God, what does he say? You, 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 if you put in what you always, if you give, then you always get what you always got. Ah, I'm fucking this thing up. If you do what you've always, always done, do, you, you've you always get what done. you always got. Yeah. Say it again. Start yeah. it again. Uh, it, it's, if you, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you always got or something like yep. that. But, but he says it in the book, Jack Canfield, the success principles. He talks everything from relationships 
to business. Uh, Jack Canfield wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. I mean, it's kind of like a cornball book, but I mean, at the same point in time, it's, it's sold, I don't know, tens of millions of copies for a reason. And the success principle, which was like came out afterward is, uh, man, I've read that book like five or six times. I would say. I just this. ordered it. I just oh, ordered it. Yeah. Man, it is, it is, a, it's a phenomenal book and it, it's kind of like old school. You know what I mean? Like it was like written, like, I think right around the same time as so like some of the things like like when he says in the one book he's like you know some guys have a pager so their wife can <laughs> so their wife can get a hold of them while they're gone like but uh, yeah I don't know I, when me and Steve talked about the book he said there's only one criticism was that there was not enough actionable steps in the book yeah. like what you should do but in today's day and age there are books podcasts um, pretty soon my course will be available for. Uh, <laughs> How much nine ninety seven are we going to sell? It'll be ninety seven dollars. Oh, you can join, get on the monthly payment plan. The monthly payment. you can join us. You can join us tribe for only uh, nineteen dollars a month. Or yeah, and, um, and, and I, I do love you know Kevin just said that line, and I've had this as like I heard this a while ago, and it just is like the a term that's resonated with me so so much, and it's kind of like became my new mantra for like life. And on, even on my Instagram, it's like, you, you know, you get to get put that little like bio link or bio thing about like who you are. And mine is you either go after the life you want or you settle for the life you get. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not a pilgrim. I'm not settling for shit. Um, uh, that's what's up. I like I, that's a good one. Um, it's, it's, it's everything, you know, you, you get one, one spin around this earth and you can either spend it being happy and in a life you're happy to be in or you can uh, be miserable and and live in your dog shit and i just don't want to do that that's why you guys are successful that's why i invited you to the show i'm sure we're going to have to have you back dude if you ever get it if you're ever back in town kevin we'll have to block out two hours and have you guys come down here and and let's do one live and in person here man appreciate you both joining us here today um, we're gonna put. We're gonna. I'm gonna get all your links and everything, and link it in the show notes to how to get a hold of you if they, if they want to get uh, join your um, uh, course. And yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a hard dick equal hard lips equals hard dicks dot com. Thanks, you guys. Really appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Take care. Right, so, see you later. Thanks, Brad. Take care. Later, Take brother. Bye bye. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum.